Welcome to Forever Blue Shirts Radio. And that was the beautiful, most elegant voice of John Luke Shapiro. And I'm going to swing it over to our host, Russell Hartman. Russell? Kevin? JL does have a beautiful voice. It's fantastic, man. I, I love it. I just wanted to say it so bad. Like, Thank you. Doesn't he seem like the type of guy, like, if he, he if he hosted, like, a late show, you would just watch it? I know. It's like he has his own late show, but doesn't want anybody to know. Hang on. JL has his own late show? Not a big deal. He's got his own late just show. For the record, I do have one, yes, but none of you watch it. Anyways. No plugging. Whoa, no plugging true. on our show. <laughs> unless we get paid sponsors. <laughs> anyway, boys, it's good to be back. It's good to be talking to you both. Um, regular season hockey. Regular season hockey this time. Yes. Yeah, so the Rangers are 2-0. and oh, And Mika Zibanejad looks like the best player on the planet. Artemi Panarin has four points, I believe, in two games. And Butchnevich is really four goals. Four goals in, in two games. No, Artemi Panarin does not have oh, four goals. I, I, don't know, I don't know why I thought uh, you said Mika Zibanejad. Because I like manage it. All I hear... We're, we're two minutes into the game. show and this guy is throwing wrong information oh. at the list. All, all I hear is when you say a Rangers name, I hear Mika Zibanejad because he is just the Rangers offense right now. <laughs> Eight points, four goals, four assists. Yes, we're going to break it all down. The and last time that happened was Mort Messier. That's true. In the two-game span. That's true. And we're going to break it all down for you guys. And then later in the show, Mr. Vince Mercogliano was gracious enough to grant an interview with us, and me and Kevin spoke to him for about a half hour. Trust me, you're going to want to listen to that. He gives some really good insight to the team. So, boys, actually, let's start with the guy who was there firsthand. Oh. John Luke Shapiro, <laughs> you were there, my friend. Currently wearing the $500 shirt he got for free. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag play like a New Yorker, oh, as it so says on JL's shirt. So, JL, you were there opening night. You saw this crazy win against the Winnipeg Jets. Recount your tale. Well, first of all, I just want to say uh, thank you to uh, meeting up with our, our boss, uh, Ant, Ant Scultore, uh, Mr. Papatilt himself. I met with him before the game, and he was gracious enough to have me in his company. I kissed the ring of the boss, tic-tac-toe. Um, and yes, they did give out these free uh, Play Like a New Yorker t-shirts, and uh, like Kevin said, they were $500. Not really. Uh, as far as, as far as the game goes... It was it was weird because there were certain parts of the game that were just absolutely horrible, but then they really cleaned it up and played well. But all in all, these young kids are stupendously good. Seeing it in person full force for the first time together as one unit, oh, it is incredible. And then Artemi Panarin, my goodness, he's all over the puck. He doesn't go away from the puck. He just gets it. It's amazing. And you look at Buchnevich playing like a different man, Sabanajed carrying the offense, Jacob Truba making threading passes on the middle with the defensemen of the Winnipeg Jets pushing them to pushing themselves to the side. He even said it after the game. He said, uh, oh, well, how did you know you were able to find Sabanajed to the middle? He's like, oh, well, you know, the defense on both sides like the pinch the wingers and Savannah Chad's right there in the middle with a breakaway um it the place was electric it was loud it was uh as loud as I've heard the garden in a very long time there's a sense of excitement within the fans and you can just hear it you can sense it you can smell it it was great um and all in all it was just a Henrik was on his head he played well you know, very few players had some iffy performances, but other than that, it was a fun evening, and and, and it was just, I was blown away at how 
energetic it was, at least the product on the ice. So it was a good, good night, even though it was a weird back-and-forth hockey game. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure seeing Blake Wheeler score literally seconds oh, after no. the goals every time was quite annoying. Oh, let me tell you, let me tell you, when he scored his goal, everyone was still up in arms about the goal that was just scored. And you hear Joe Tolleson making the announcement, and everyone's getting ready to get excited about the goal, and then Blake Wheeler pops one in past Lundquist, and everyone's like, oh. So it was kind of deflated afterwards, but, you know, when Mika got his, and then uh, um, and then Howden got his at the end, the place just erupted. And then Brendan Smith, of all people, <laughs> had a couple of people around me who were sitting in front of me. They, they knew Brendan Smith, you know, was a, a, a troubled player, quote-unquote. And <laughs> they were just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. That's insane. So it, it was it was fun. I, I it, it was good. Just I mean, it was amazing to watch so in person. It must have been awesome. And you know what, Brendan Smith, I owe you an apology right now. You did score a big goal. You're playing all right. I've been very hard on you. I'm sorry. So, Brendan Smith, wow. you're out there. Brendan Smith, you're out there. Wow. <laughs> I never think, I never in a million years think I would hear those words come out of your mouth. But, but hey, no, no. But, he, he's a very good defensive fourth liner. Okay, that's all. Thank you. Kevin took the words right out of my mouth. He's a very good defensive fourth liner. And on the power play with seconds to go, they stood up. I mean, like, it's a very unique situation he's in. He's a fourth liner when it comes to even strength. And then he's a a defensive penalty killer, so he's the seventh defenseman, but not the seventh defenseman, which is very interesting. And it's just, hey, they're 2-0, and so anything could happen. they got 80 more games left. But, uh, you know, it's just a weird time now because we have, you know, from their last game, a literal whole week until they play the Oilers at home, who are also undefeated at this moment. I don't know if they have a, how many games they have. Until then, but uh, they have two games or whatever. Actually, you you no, gave I, me the number two. I don't want yeah, more wrong information uh, coming out of here. <laughs> just setting no, me up no, no. to fail, Russ. I thought you were going to say how many games have the Oilers played. Last no, no, they played two. I knew they played, they played two. two yeah. But no one's played more than three. So I, the fact that some people have played three already is crazy. It's only not even a week of the season. Just to give everyone kind of perspective on how wacky the season schedule is, by the time the Rangers play game three, the Toronto Maple Leafs will have played game eight. That's insane. Good I feel bad for the Jets, though, because they played they play three games in the matter of four days, all against the Metropolitan Division. And just, I understand you want to get your road trips out of the way early, but they could have waited. Like, the Rangers didn't have to play the Jets to start off. They could have played the Devils to start off and then played the Jets on Tuesday night, so they're not completely bunched up. It's just... The scheduling is wacky, man. It's just true, true. But you know what? We're not going to worry about the schedule. We can't fix that, but we can't. No, we're going to worry about it when it's game 75 and we have four games in a matter of six days or some crap like that. Well, yeah. See, I haven't looked at the whole schedule. You know what? I'm going to do that right now. Go ahead. Enjoy yourself. I don't want to, but I'm going (laughs) to. Jail, game two, Mika Zibanejad gets a hat trick. That top line's flying again. That tic-tac-toe goal, bam, 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 and in. I mean, Mika Zibanejad's face after the goal was just like... How did that even go in? But it was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing to see. Uh, Jail, as our resident analyst right now. Uh, resident? Up, as he looks, Kevin looks up his facts. Facts? Um, it's a schedule. <laughs> Jail, what have you seen? You know, I know a lot of people have two games. All right, we got to take it easy. But what are the positives you're taking from these two games? And if you could, honestly, we got to give the negative two. What are things you think you need to see them clean up? 
Well, let's start with the negative first. We get it out of the way real quick. Uh, Ryan Strom hasn't played up to par on the second line so far, and you can see that it's dragging Chris Kreider and Capo Caco down a little bit because he doesn't seem to have that playmaking uh, ability as of yet. Maybe he's just on a slow roll. Maybe he's not the fit for that line. Either way, that's one of the negatives. It's not the worst thing in the world, but you want to see someone who could be a little more engaging like the first line. And obviously, David Quinn said it in an interview. They need to get uh, lines two and four uh, going so that the team could become a bigger unit itself. And I think uh, in practice, I think they mixed up a couple of units. I think they put um, Howden with another line and, and the sorts and stuff. Um, the defense, I, I can't really harp on the defense too much. Um, Brady Shea played a lot better game two. It was still a little shaky, but... All in all, I mean, that's still something that's a little weak, but they were definitely better the second game. Um, in terms of the positives, uh, I mean, you, obviously you have to point out Mika Zibanejad having eight points already on the season so far, and just him, Buchnevich, and Panarin are just clicking right off the bat. It is the chemistry that these guys seem to possess off the bat is incredible, and, and, and I think uh, Zibanejad said it afterwards. He said they still have to get better together and when he said that i said wait a minute really <laughs> they, they can get better from this I'm, hey i can't wait to see it um another positive is the goaltending alexander georgiev looked fantastic last night or a couple nights ago against the uh senators and you really can see that you know he's going to be relied on a lot more as they give henrik less game so those are pretty much just some of the thoughts i saw so far outside of making advantage at being an absolute monster yeah, I mean, Mika Zibanejad has really taken it to that next level, and we talked about that with Vin, and he's going to give you a cool answer to that as well. And I'd like to just correct myself really quick before we move on here. Um, but, so the Rangers play the, the Oilers on Saturday, and then they play the New Jersey Devils on the 17th. But what I meant oh, by my comment before <laughs> was by the time the Rangers play the Devils, so after this weird stretch, the Maple Leafs will have played eight games. So the scheduling is very strange this season. If we now look at Rangers, November, just November, three instances – in three times during that month, they play three games in four days. Yeah, that's bad. That's which is crazy. Bad and, it's, yeah. and then it's just, if you keep looking and it's just a weird, like, it's like, and then they do it again in February. Three weeks in a row, they play four, they play three games in four days. And it, most of those are away. It's just, it makes no sense. I mean, I don't know who's doing the scheduling. I know most arenas play with, you know, with another basketball team, with, with the basketball team, so they have to split the time accordingly. It's just... Yeah, I don't know. It's it, like we've seen weird schedules before, but it's been rare. It's just this one just seems all out of whack. But maybe yeah, I mean, maybe it's like every other year, like some team gets a random crazy schedule to accommodate even for the All Star. Even for the All Star break, they play the Islanders the twenty first, and then we don't see another Rangers hockey game until the thirty first against the, the Red Wings. So, I mean, yeah. it's pretty pretty crazy stuff. But I mean, they have to manage like all teams have to manage the schedule. Well, it could be another instance that they don't have that expansion team yet. In the West, they're still waiting on Seattle, which means the West has to come over more, and they have to accommodate for the West to play those other games. It's not technically an all-around even schedule, and it's because you still you have an odd number of teams, and they all have to play everybody twice, which yeah. makes no sense. I mean, there's all factors into it, but at the end of the day, the Rangers will have to navigate it like every team has to navigate their schedule, and hopefully they swim instead of sink. So enough from us. You guys hear us every single week. Time to take you to our interview that uh, me and Kevin had with Mr. Vince Mercogliano of Loha.com.
And just as promised, we have an interview with the awesome Vince Mercogliano, the reporter for the Rangers for Loha.com. Vince, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, as I said before we started here, uh, the hockey community, specifically the New York Ranger community, really appreciates the work you've been putting in, the videos during the offseason, the videos at practice now. Um, you know, asking the, the questions some reporters seem not to want to ask to David Quinn. So it's really great having a guy like you on the beat, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Happy to come on. Um, a lot of fans this uh, past weekend were a little upset and maybe a little confused at what is going on uh, with the Hartford situation with Vitaly Kravtsov. Uh, he was a healthy scratch in Hartford's second game. Um, people are wondering what's going on. Vin, you're close to the team. Uh, what are you hearing, and what can you tell the fans out there to maybe you know help them relax a little bit about his situation right now in Hartford? Yeah, I got a lot of questions about that in the last 24 hours. Um, I mean, I, in terms of relaxing, I would say that's probably good advice right now because this is only the second, you know, it's only the second game for him there. I don't think that we should go too crazy yet. I, I Listen, I'm fully on board with wanting to question this because the reasoning they gave for sending him, for sending him there is because they said they wanted him to get ice time. Uh, they said that him and Heedle, specifically, if they didn't make the top nine for the NHL team, they wanted them to go to Hartford because they wanted them to continue their development. They thought that there were parts of their game that needed to be worked on, specifically defensively. Uh, you know, I think both of them, uh, Kratzoff and Heedle, have offensive talent that the team likes, but I don't think they're very confident in them being able to play an all-around game right now. So the idea was that they would go to Hartford to work on those things. Um if I responded to somebody today and said it like this, and I think this is probably the best way to think about it. Right now, it's just one game. I asked the Rangers today what was going on. They really downplayed it. I mean, that was kind of predictable. They're being tight-lipped about this. They said it's not an injury. They confirmed that. Um, beyond that, they just said it was a coach's decision, a healthy scratch. Um, they were kind of urging me not to make too much of it. Uh, so at this point, I'm not going to, but if it becomes a trend, if we see, you know, multiple times in the next few weeks that a guy like Kratzoff is scratched, then I think that it's something worth pressing harder and maybe being a little more alarmed about. Right now, I mean, it's all speculation right now. There's no information that I know of that's out there, uh, and the Rangers wouldn't really give me anything beyond what I just told you um, in terms of what is it, you know if something happened like whether it's a disciplinary thing or whatever that that would be pure speculation on my part so i'm not going to go there it's one game it's not worth panicking let's see what happens from here is kind of what i would say well it seems like it's one of those kind of touchy subjects everybody wants to jump to conclusions hopefully it's more just of like uh maybe he's not conditioned or you know maybe he was late to a practice or something. We don't know. Let's not speculate. We just didn't know if you had more insight. So we had to ask the question, of course. So, yeah, uh, no, it, listen, it's, it's yeah, a question yeah. worth asking. I was, I, I was asking it myself. It's, it's odd. It, it, it's surprising It's very to me odd, that, especially the second game of their season. Yeah, but, I mean, listen, it could be a minor thing. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe they wanted him to watch a game from, a, you know, from up top and, and get a feel for their system more or what, whatever. Who knows what it could be. The point is, it's only one game, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's not worth, like, you know, hitting the panic button at this point. 
But trust me, if, if it continues, I, you know, I, I even said this to somebody today, if it continues, I'm going to keep asking, and I think that it's something that, that you know, is, it's something we should legitimately be curious about. But let's see if it was just a one-game thing, and then we'll take it from there. Yeah, let's hope it's a one-game thing more than anything else. Um, let's, I guess a better, easier question for you. So I know you've got, probably gotten that question a lot, but, uh, you know, you've watched the Banajed for so long now, and um, even – before Panarin got signed, was there any indication that you saw, like, Sabanajad really having a breakout year? He hit, like, uh, personal totals for his points and, you know, goals and assists last year. Did you think that he was going to take another step even without Panarin? And now the fact that there is Panarin, he says he's had so much more room to, you know, be free and take shots. Like, was this explosion just inevitable? Yeah, I mean, listen, he's been trending that way. There's, I mean, last year he was awesome, and, and he's, you know, he's only 25 last year. He's 26 now, so he's only, he's only getting better. And at the beginning of camp, um, you know, people, coaches and, and management always talked about, you know, guys look like they're in great shape and that sort of thing. But with, with Mika in particular, Coach Quinn talked a lot about how early in, in Mika's career, you know, he wasn't doing everything that he should be off the ice, not to say that he was doing anything wrong, but just in terms of conditioning and, you know, learning how to treat his body, eating right, all that sort of thing. Like becoming a pro off the ice is, is how Quinn talked about it. The talent was there, but n- now that he's put everything together and I think he's matured in a lot of ways off the ice, now it's all coming together on the ice for him. With that being said, obviously playing with uh, a player of Panarin's uh, caliber, is huge for him. Uh, you know, that immediately getting Panarin and playing on the top line with him, what it does for that power play with, that they're both out there for, uh, you know, there's no doubt that that is going to give him the ability to score more points this year. But in terms of the all-around game that he brings, and actually that's something I, I wrote a story, I just finished a little while ago writing a story that's going to go up tomorrow morning. I didn't talk to Meek at all today. I talked to him a lot in the last few days, didn't talk to him at all today. I only talked to his teammates about what they've seen from him. I talked to Mark Stahl. I talked to the young guys. Leas Anderson, it's a really cool story with Mika and Leas. Um, Leas has actually been living with Mika for the last month and a half, and so I got some pretty cool stories from Leas about what it's been like, that the kind of roommate dynamic between the two of them. Um, but they all rave about just his all-around game, the fact that he's out there on the penalty kill. He, he's really good in the defensive zone. He's really good on face-offs. I mean, his all-around game – I think that's something that he's worked and polished off on his own. Uh, the one area where I think Panarin is going to make a big difference for him is he should score more goals because Panarin is out there. And so far, uh, four goals in two games, uh, that, that's definitely been the case. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like Mika Zibanejad, everything we were seeing and hearing from training camp on, I mean, he just seems like he's really – he's taken that step. And, I mean, 74 points last year was really great. I know people have been projecting him – 80, possibly 90 this year. I mean, that would be wonderful. The guy looks like he can do it. So, I mean, I hope that this is a trend, like, for good now, and he is the elite guy that the Rangers were hoping. Um, And while we're on the subject of Panarin, uh, the Rangers, of course, acquired Panarin and Truba this summer. Um, You have obviously seen a lot of them. What effect have those two had, whether it be on the young guys, maybe even some of the veterans? What kind of energy do these two bring to the locker room that maybe you didn't see before? There's just a little more swagger. I think when you bring in high-quality players like that, the whole team feels better about itself, and that's been pretty obvious. Um, you know, Panarin especially, 
you know, last year it's no secret that besides Zibanejad, the Rangers didn't have many really dynamic offensive players who could change the game in an instant. And now with Panarin, they have that. I mean, just watching the guy, he just the way that he glides, the way that he moves on the ice, the, the way that he's kind of just like a magnet for the puck, the way he shoots the puck. I was actually uh, standing with Rick Carpinello, uh, one of the other beat writers who I'm friendly with, uh, behind the net today after practice. And Panarin was just working on these slap shots with, with a few other guys. And just the way that the, the his accuracy and the way the puck comes off his stick is just kind of different from a lot of other guys. Uh, so there, there's just a different swagger. And Truba, I mean, listen, the defense has still had some issues. They were definitely better in the second game against Ottawa than they were in the first game against the Jets. Uh, but Truba is far and away their best all-around defenseman now, and, and that was a really big area of need, probably the biggest area of need for this team. So just when you can slot each of those guys into the top of your lineup, I think that trickle-down effect makes everybody feel a little bit more confident. And uh, kind of just building off of that, you know, has there been a, like a significant difference with, like Artemi being on the team for Buchnevich's sake, or is it more like kind of just Zibanejad is now able to focus on Buchnevich and Panarin, not just Buchnevich, if that makes sense? Yeah, no, he's, I mean, I honestly, the, the person, that, the, the player that I see Panarin spending the most time with is Buchnevich. I mean, they're constantly talking to each other on the ice. They're constantly talking to each other in the locker room. Uh, obviously, they're both Russian, and there's a you know there's uh, Panarin has said that because because Buchnevich is his English is pretty good. He can he can speak English with with anybody in the locker room. Panarin he's he'll talk a little bit in English, but he's still not really that confident. So he he leans on Buchnevich a lot, uh, and you could just see that that they're friends. Uh, and like I was talking about them working on uh, Panarin working on shots after practice. Buchnevich is usually the guy that that he's doing that with after practice. Um, so yeah, I think I think you could make a case that, that Panarin's helped Buchnevich just as much, if not more, than he's helped Zabinajad because uh, you know it, it, the, the friendship, the Russian connection, and Buchnevich now getting to play on a line with that kind of firepower is only going to help him. Yeah, now, like Quinn McQueen, um, you know, Buchnevich earned the right to be there with the play in his second half last year. So honestly, it's really good to see that Buch is you know not only taking Panarin's help on the ice, but that, but that Panarin is also leaning on Booch for other facets of the game, which is really cool to see. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that first line is clicking. It's clicking really well right now. The question that I think remains, you know, and the two wins, obviously, it's, it's early, and, and the two wins obviously cover this up a little bit, but I think the big question that I have right now is, you know, can they get away with, because if you look at it right now, looking at forwards alone, the top line has 15 combined points, and the other three line have six points combined. So I think that eventually they're going to need those other three lines to step it up a little bit because I think it's unfair to rely on that top line to, to produce at this pace. I don't think that's feasible uh, for an 82-game season. But right now, I mean, the, the top line has by far been the biggest thing standing out on this team. Now, what's it really going to take for, you know, these other two, three – these two to three and four lines uh, to kind of get mixed up. Uh, we see, like you said, like, you know, guys are going to have chances if they earn it. But, you know, that then brings to the question, when is, you know, Hedl and uh, Kratzov really going to have realistic opportunities to come up and contribute on the big club? Because, you know, everybody's excited for these guys. And, you know, I'm excited. Russ is excited, of course. But, you know, 
at what point is it just like, okay, we can't just rely on the top line to do everything. We need to bring in Kratzov. We need to bring in Hedl. We need to move up Howden or Elias. Like, how many games do you realistically see this playing out until we really see some significant changes? I know fans aren't going to like this, but I think that they're going to be patient, especially if they're winning. I mean, you know, right now there's no reason for them to really shake things up dramatically because they're two and zero. So I, I don't think that some of those, like like you know, putting bringing a guy like Heedle up, bringing a guy like Krotzoff up, um, you know, making let's say Heedle the second line center. I know that that was a big topic of conversation in the preseason. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. I mean, even today I asked Quinn after practice if he's thinking about making any changes on those lines. The one change that it seems like he, he probably is going to make, and this is how it was working in practice today, was he had Brendan Lemieux up on that third line as the left winger, and he moved Nemesnikov down to the, uh, down to the fourth line. So that's a pretty minor change. Uh, you might see that in the next game. I asked him specifically about the second-line center, Ryan Strom. Obviously, Strom got off to not-so-great start in that first game. Two penalties in the first period. That second line really hasn't been clicking. I mean, Quinn was pretty straightforward about that. He said that they need to be better when I asked him about it today. But, you know, it was still that same threesome out there working together, Strom, Kako, and Kreider. I, I think what 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 is kind of going to be a more immediate thing to look out for is how quickly does that line get rolling, specifically Kako and Kreider, because – Listen, we can talk about the second-line center all day. That's by far the biggest weakness, the biggest question mark in their top six. But, you know, and Coach said today that he might give Howden or Anderson a look in that second-line center spot. He liked the way that both of them played better against Ottawa than they did in the first game. And I specifically asked if he was going to consider moving them up, and he said yes. But ultimately, the firepower on that line is the wingers. It's Kako and it's Kreider. And specifically Kako, I mean, you know, you've seen flashes of his talent but he hasn't really had that breakout performance yet. I think it's inevitable that it will come, but again, as good as he is, he's only 18. And I think it's, you know, it's going to take a little patience. Uh, he, he's still getting his feet wet. He's still feeling things out. He's still got to build some confidence. Um, so I think more likely what's going to help those lines is getting better performances from the guys that are currently on them, especially a young guy like Kako, who who is going to gain confidence with every game. I really don't think that you're going to see Hedl and Kratzoff that soon. Hedl, I think, is probably more likely to come up if anybody does in the next, let's say, month to six weeks. Um, Kratzoff didn't even play yesterday, so you know I, I think we're going to want to see him have some standout games in Hartford before they even think about bringing him up. But I know a lot of fans would like them to kind of revamp the whole thing, lines two through four right now. But I, I do not think that that's happening right now, especially not after, you know, talking to Quinn today. Yeah, and, I, you know, Vin, I saw your tweet before when you mentioned that you did ask Quinn about Elias and Howden. And, I mean, they've been playing really good on lines three and four, specifically, you know, Howden scored that big goal in the opener, and Elias has just been playing extremely well, noticeable every game. But, um, you know, kind of a bonus question here, one we didn't have written down, but something you said kind of, Maybe wanted to ask you, um, you see Capocaco on a daily basis. Um, what are the things he does in practice that just, or or should I say, has he done anything in practice that has just made you drop your jaw and go, my God, th- this team is lucky to have this kid here? And I guess the second part of it is, how is Kako in the locker room if you have had the chance to speak with him? Yeah, well, for the first part, um, I mean, just <laughs> every day he does something with the puck that kind of makes you say, wow, his vision is incredible. I mean, he's a great, great passer. 
Uh, and I think that that is probably the thing that stands out the most. Uh, he's also, I mean, you know, he can shoot. You, you constantly see him shooting from all different angles. One thing that stood out to me a lot in the first few weeks is, you know, when practice is over, certain guys come off pretty soon thereafter. Other guys hang on the ice for an extra 15, 20, sometimes 30 minutes. And Kako almost always is one of the last guys to come off. Like, without fail, I would say he has spent more time on the ice post-practice than anybody else. So he's clearly got this, like, really good work ethic, this desire to be great. Um, and, and Chris Kreider actually talked about this a lot, just how he's got this – it's kind of one of those skills that you can't teach where he just seems to keep the, cl- the puck – really close to his own feet, which makes it really difficult for defenders to get the puck, get the puck away from him. Um, so just all these tools, just the way that he handles the puck, the control he has over the puck, the calmness that he has, the vision that he has, uh, all that stuff stands out pretty much on a daily basis. Now we're just looking for it to translate to games a little bit more. And again, you know, I think that's going to require a little bit of patience. In terms of how he is in the locker room, his English is getting better. Like I said this to him the other day. His English is getting better every day. You know, over the summer at the draft stuff, you could tell that he was hesitant. And, you know, he, he, it was pretty impressive how quickly he learned the language. But he still had a lot of phrases that he would rely on and go back to. And he still totally wasn't comfortable. And people would ask him questions sometimes that you could tell, you know, weren't totally registering. But because he's been immersed in it now for a month or so with training camp and all that, and, you know, nobody else in that locker room, I think Mika might speak a little Finnish. Um, but there's really no other Finnish players in that locker room right now for him to, you know, kind of use as a crutch. So he's forced to not only speak English every day, but hear it from Quinn and everybody else every single day. So uh, he's still kind of shy and he's humble and he's got this like quiet coolness about him. Uh, but his English is definitely getting better by the day for sure. Now to kind of change gears a little bit, I know it's only been two games and there's the next, the third game isn't until this Saturday, so it's a huge break. So that's probably why we saw Hank in the Yorgiev split. But do you see this as a, you know, a trend going forward? Like, does it, does it seem like it's like, okay, Hank, you're going to play like every two games, and then Yorgiev is going to get the third, or is it going to be more like a how Hank is feeling kind of, you know, scenario? Just because we know this was going to happen, he's getting older, and Alex has been playing pretty well. Is it more like they're going to split, or is it just because? You know, it was the two games in three days and then another game in a week. No, I, I think it's going to be close to a split. I mean, I think Hank definitely will play. I mean, assuming they both stay, stay healthy all season, I think Hank will definitely play a few more games. But, I mean, you know, if it's 50-30, I think that might be a lot. I think it might be closer to, like, you know, let's say high 40s, high thir- you know, high 40s for Hank, high 30s for Georgie, something like that. I, I, I think that there's a lot of different reasons that they want to do it. It's definitely a trend in the league right now. I also think that the Hank will benefit from staying fresh. You know, if they get into a stretch where they really need to win games and one of them is clearly hotter than the other, then I think they might ride the hot hand, but they've got a lot of confidence in Georgia. I mean, he played really well in the preseason. I thought he played really well against the senators the other night. Uh, I think that, that they look at it right now, like he's earned the time. Uh, he outplayed Hank most of the season last year. So I, I think that they see a lot of benefits to making it a, a virtual split. You know, again, with Hank playing probably a few more games. But uh, especially, and, and you know, Shesterkin could come into that mix at some point during the season. So 
I don't think you're going to see any anybody run away and take the majority of the starts. So you say that you think we could see Shesterkin. Uh, you kind of answered the next question I was going to ask you, but uh, do you think that, um, or if you if you can even give a time on here, do you think we see Shesterkin play something like maybe five to seven games on Broadway this year? Yeah, I think at some point they'll definitely try to get him some games. Um, but that's going to, you know, how many games he plays is going to probably depend on two things. One, how healthy Hank and Georgie are. And two, how Shesterkin plays in Hartford. I mean, if Shesterkin's playing really well in Hartford, it's going to be hard for them not to give him some starts uh, in the NHL. But, you know, right now they got a pretty good situation because they got three goalies that I think that they, they like all of them significantly. Uh, and I think that at the end of the day, because Shesterkin came over, this is his first year in North America, they want him to acclimate in Hartford. But I also think that they want to reward him if he's playing well by definitely giving him some NHL starts because they clearly, in the long run, see him as an NHL caliber goalie. And I think this is probably my last question. It kind of just uh, dawns on me. I know We know that Truba and Shea have this long history together and you know they did play the one game and everybody kind of looked out of sorts like having Hayek and Fox together wasn't really the best combo having two you know rookies really playing together it it was there like some sort of like did you did it seem like Shea and Trouble were upset in the locker room after the split they found out like the next game they'd be apart or was it just kind of like okay business as usual we're fine we'll just get a you know trudge along and it's the usual stuff that we're going to deal with no, I think everybody seemed fine. Honestly, I don't think I don't think it was it was that big of a deal. I think it was pretty obvious in that first game that having the two rookies there, you know, there were some miscues. Um, so I, I don't think it was that perceived as that big of a deal by the players. I mean, you know, they, even if they were upset by it, I don't think they would come out and make a big deal out of that, especially not after one game, um, especially not after a win. But uh, no, I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think we'll probably see the pairings toyed with a few different times this year before they settle, but Quinn definitely seemed to feel better about them after the second game. And I think the defense probably felt a lot better about giving up one goal as opposed to four goals in the first game. So I I didn't sense that anybody was upset by that or anything. I, I, you know, Quinn, Quinn made it sound like, you know, that he never said that Truba and Shea were guaranteed to be together for any extended period of time. And I guess, I guess he didn't. I mean, we were all under the impression throughout camp that that was the pair, going to be the top pair, and those guys played together, you know, throughout training camp pretty consistently. But, you know, I I think that it was pretty clear that they needed to break up the rookies, at least for the time being, and that everybody kind of understood that. So our last question for you, Vin, before I let you go, we asked this of all our first-time guests, or if we try to, if we remember. What started the Rangers fandom for you? What started the Rangers fandom with me? Yeah. How did you become a fan? Uh, I mean, you know, it's hard to really call myself a fan at this point. You kind of get a little detached when you're in this position. I will say that I grew up going to, I will say that I grew up going to Rangers games. I mean, I grew up in Westchester. So obviously uh, where I came from, the Rangers were, we, we, we weren't Islanders fans. We weren't Devils fans. So I grew up going to a lot of Rangers games. Uh, I was, when they won the cup in 94, I was like seven. Um, so that was obviously a pretty cool experience. I remember going to a couple games that year. Those are like my first memories of really going to the garden that year. Um, 
so, I mean, you know, just kind of was like the place I grew up. It was a team that everybody followed, and uh, I thought that going to MSG was really cool. But uh, I will say that over the years, my, like, you know, when I was a kid, I probably cared a lot more about winning and losing than I do now. Now it's more just about, like, I'm just fascinated with, like, the inner workings of the team and, you know, line combinations and prospects and, and, and development. And I'm really fascinated by the way the whole front office works. I mean, now I'm much more of it, like, looking at it kind of from a, a reporter standpoint than I am as a fan, for sure. Right. Yeah, no, of course. But, no, I always like hearing stories of how, the, you know, the Rangers had the impact on people's lives in the beginning. So thanks for sharing. Uh, Vin, Thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. We look forward to hopefully having you back on again later in the season to talk about the boys more. Uh, your insight was great, and really, thank you for sh- uh, sharing your time with us. Yeah, guys, no problem. Uh, you know, uh, like I said, thanks for having me on, and reach out anytime. I'm happy to come on during the season. There's obviously going to be a lot more to talk about. we got 80 games to go, so. Of course. Thanks, thank you so much really again, and have a great night. And once again, a big thank you to Vince. Uh, you know, it was great talking to the guy. He's been on the beat for a little while now. And, you know, one point I really wanted to mention with him is he's really asking the, the good questions that you want reporters to ask the coaches, you want them to ask management. And, you know, he even said during an interview, you know, I'm going to keep asking these questions if these things keep coming, you know, if these, if these things keep happening. So, you know, thank you, Vince. Thank you for, you know, being on this beat and giving us really good information and for the videos as well during the summer and a training camp. So thank yeah, you so much. His content is amazing and if you it's just it's just a nice fresh uh, breath of fresh air having him and the rangers twitter and instagram and facebook all their accounts just kind of livening livening up so thank you to you know whoever's behind that he or she or multiple people just you know putting out great content just like random videos that we would like to see just things that we don't usually get to see and just more coverage is fantastic like we're fans you're keeping us engaged. Like I know this whole week, it's not a lot of content to go off because it's only been two games, but they might have things that they've been preparing for ever since the schedule came out. Yeah, the Rangers' social media has been on the money as of late, and, and, and props to Vince for not only coming on with us, but his coverage over the summer, like you said, has not only been phenomenal, but he's just done a really good job at describing of what's really gone on, and like you said, he's been asking the tough questions, and I, I hope he does keep asking those tough questions. And uh, with in terms of the Rangers' social media, I was, I was having this discussion with someone, and it just seems to me that they kind of caught on to what people were saying about them previously. Um, it's nothing bad about them previously but they were a little less engaging in the social media you know field and now with the summer coming in they even launched a twitch channel for goodness sake so with this new rangers on msg and account along with the other teams doing it as well it seems like they're really trying to engage with the fan base because they see not only is the team getting younger but the fans are younger as well they're not only they're they're keeping their older fan base but they're also appealing to People like us, pretty much, who are younger, who go more on the internet, social media stuff. Absolutely. And something I do want to point out is last year the Rangers weren't fond of gifts. And this year, complete 180. Posting really cool gifts after every game during the, you know, during game days as well. So, you know, good on them. And it's really cool that they're embracing more of the social media aspect of, you know, professional sports. And also, one thing to add to. When it comes to their in-game graphics, not only at MSG but on social media, it's been top-notch. They have really stepped up their game with their graphics on their Twitter page, their Instagram page, and even just in the garden. You can see the the aesthetic differences when it comes to the introductions, the goals, the visuals. So they're really stepping up their game again, which is nice to see. 
Absolutely. And before we leave you guys, there's one thing that, you know, the three of us discuss and we really just want to, we want to stress right now. Um, we're all very, I guess the best way to put it is we're all kind of on edge with this team right now. You know, you want to see them do well. You want to see all the, the guys like Sabanajad, Panarin, Kako, just, you want to see them explode and really start to, you know, do their thing. You know, in Kako's case, um, you know, he's 18. We've seen the flashes. Let the kid grow. In the case of Hedl and Kravtsov, you know, I don't like that Kravtsov is scratched. I'm not a big fan that Hedl's down there, but, you know, they're there for development. We don't know Vitaly Kravtsov's full situation. It's only been a few days. The season is not even a week old yet, guys. So let's everyone take a breather. Let's see what happens over the course this week. And as you've heard a number of times, when there is space on the top nine, Vitaly Kravtsov and Filipita will be here. So, yeah. you know... It's there's not, no, there's it's, no need to have these guys come up to play fourth line minutes. And then just everything's in moderation. Everything, just take perspective of this whole thing. Even the positives. Like, you know, Migos Banjo got eight points in two games. You know, that's fantastic. That's great. He's clicking with his new line, but don't expect that every night. He might have an off day, but, you know, you want it to happen. But just don't get mad when it's like, oh, he, he only got one point and it was a secondary assist. Oh, my God. Or, you know, the Rangers lose a couple in a row. It's just, It's okay. It's still one of those years. They're still figuring things out. So let's 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 cool our jets a little bit and everything in perspective. Yeah, I was looking on Twitter and I read something that said this season is primarily focused on player development and putting the right attitude. And I think they were referring to what happened in Hartford with Kratzoff. Now the thing about that is, look, if he's unhappy and he really wants to play in the NHL. He's just going to have to deal with it. The Rangers are trying to make sure they can get a hard work ethic out of him so he can turn into the player that he should be and he is going to be because I am confident he will. So, like you said, we need to cool the Jets. It's great to see them playing this way, but let's not get ahead of ourselves because we know that this is another development year. Could they possibly surprise us and make a wild card spot? Maybe, but that remains to be seen. But... At the end of the day, this is a development season, and we just need to take everything in stride, enjoy the good times, and when the bad times come, we have to remember, this is all part of the process. We have to trust the process. As cliche as that sounds, it is true, and the Rangers have so far shown that they have been able to do this the right way, and just by looking at the play on the ice, it's definitely going to be the right way for sure. Um, a trade was announced, and I'm sure you're all aware of it, and it's Vlad Nemestikov to the Ottawa Senators. So, <laughs> I mean, like, at, like, what timing was that, JL? I mean, you want to give the details? Because this is just, I mean, like, out of nowhere. Like, talking about keeping it close to the vest, it's like, just just go. Just, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just crazy. I mean, I'm just still so baffled that, that that happened. Vladislav Nemestikov has been traded to the Ottawa Senators for a fourth-round pick in 2021, Nick Ebert. And going the other way is Vlad Nemestikov. New York will only retain $750,000 of his $4 million salary. No one expected this trade. This came out of nowhere. It makes you wonder, because now it gives like a whole different spin on, on what you know me, you, and Russ talked about, and me, Russ, and Vince talked about in the interview when it comes to Vitaly Kratsov. Now, speculation. It's all speculation. Everything's speculation until it happens. This could be the reason why the Rangers held him out of Hartford. You know, they're the affiliate. They, you know, Jeff Gordon could have went down, talked to uh, Chris Drew, and be like, look, I don't want, I don't want um, 
Vitaly uh, playing. We have a deal to send uh, Nemesikov over. Let's make sure he gets up, you know, he's not hurt, and then we can continue forward. Do you agree, or is it more just kind of like the timing? It's just all coincidental. The timing definitely adds to that because everyone's freaking out about Vitaly you know, getting scratched in Hartford after the second game. That is so uncharacteristic from a team that was high on a prospect. And, you know, you started hearing things like attitude problem and, and maybe he was dissatisfied with being in Hartford. But, I mean, mm-hmm. even if it's the second game, you don't just scratch someone for having an attitude problem. So it makes you think, was there something else going on? And then it adds to uh, what they were saying before during training camp was that they were only going to bring them up if they were to give them top nine minutes and trading a guy like Nemesnikov means that they're going to try and find a spot for either him or Philip Hedl because Philip Hedl had a great night in his two games with the Hartford uh I was gonna say Hartford Whalers listen to me I'm so jazzed up right now I almost said Whalers <laughs> you're calling bla- blast from the past oh. over here man just <laughs> oh. but um you know he you know, maybe maybe they really wanted to get Vitaly up here to bring some sort of scoring puncher. Maybe they're going to send down Haley and bring up Hedl and Kratzov and all that. But, you know, there's so much space between now and the next game that unless the Rangers really put something out there, we really don't know what's going to happen until they actually come out with more answers. But, yeah, this definitely is a good sign for for Kratzov. It's just it came so out of the blue. It was it was a very unexpected trade because we we know the Rangers play things close to the best, and it's not like it's not out of character that they'll make you know mid season trades. You know, we see Ryan Spooner for uh, Ryan Strom, and you know there's probably various other ones that I can recount that you know it's not coming to me because I'm so excited, but <laughs> we've never really seen one this early in the season or even right before the season. So what does this say about the Rangers mindset? It's they want to continue with the player development. This has been that, this is what they're preaching. And, you know, now it's coming full circle. Where everybody's like, Oh, you're not really caring about player development. If you're going to sit Kratzov or, you know, Hedl Stout and Hartford. So you really don't want to get minutes. It, it, it's just a, it's just a big, it's a completely different thing. Now, now you have to look at it. It's like, Oh, they wanted a trade and look, they didn't get what they wanted for Vlad during the off season. They weren't going to settle. They got under the cap, which they which was fantastic by Gordon. And now they ended up selling off Nemestikov for... Like, this is the issue. Nemestikov like, didn't really play a lot of top-line minutes, so you really can't gauge how good he could have been with Zibanejad or with Kako. So, you know, he could be great in Ottawa, which is which would be fantastic for him. It's just, we got a, we got a, a pick back, and we got a prospect, and what more can you ask? Well, we all knew Nemestikov was out the door. We just... We just didn't know yeah. when. Uh, it, was, it was either going to be now, sometime in the winter, and sometime in December, or the trade deadline. Exactly. So, realistically, you'd want to say the earlier the better to give the young guys who are going to definitely fill the spot uh, more. Regardless, yeah. like he's a UFA at the end of the year, so it was. I mean, it's a win-win for both teams. Is the way I look at it. Any value you can get for a UFA, especially if a team is going to give you what the Senators gave the Rangers, you take it. Honestly, you take it and you run with it because the Rangers have a plethora of youth and it seems like this is... They're they're going full bore with what they wanted to do. You know, and and the thing about Vladdy is 
you know, I like Nemestikov personally as a player. I thought he was very good. versatile player. Very versatile. He can play over the middle. He can play. But he right wasn't. Over. He wasn't suited for this team anymore. No, he just came at this team at the wrong time, just like Kevin Shattenkirk. If Kevin Shattenkirk had come to this team maybe a couple years down the line and it wasn't as expensive, then yeah. But I wish Nemestikov nothing but the best of luck in Ottawa, and, and you know. I mean, hey, Ottawa's an open field. It's like he can excel. He, you know, it's a, it's a very it's a toss up there. I mean, they're not the best team, obviously, but hey, if you're given top line minutes, you're given you know top six minutes, then why not? I mean, good good on him. Absolutely. And one last point before we leave you guys this week, um, as you saw on our Twitter uh, before, or if you did see now, if you didn't, now we're telling you now. Wednesdays will now be our official release day, so look forward to hearing from us every Wednesday morning. Um, part of our overall process that we discussed in the off season to give you guys better content. Um, content that you can rely on when you know it's coming out this is all part of it and you know going to a new recording uh platform also deciding on a specific day to release the show as well as getting you guys more guests is all a part of what we're trying to accomplish here so please uh join us every wednesday from now on and as well we have another special guest next week and some of you may have heard of him some of you may have not but he's an up-and-coming hockey YouTuber that goes by the name of Grav. And he will be joining us next week to talk all things hockey and a lot of things Rangers. So thank you for joining us this week. Big thank you to Vin once again. Looking forward to that interview with Grav next week. Let's go, Rangers. Let's go, Raider Nation. It's me, Evan Grote, host of Just Pod Baby. Join me as I bring you the latest news on your Las Vegas Raiders. On Just Pod Baby, I will give you my thoughts on all things silver and black. And of course, you can expect to receive the best information from top-notch guests. Be sure to listen to Just Pod Baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, part of the Silver and Black Today Media Group. Business with personality. That's the idea that launched London's business newspaper, City AM, 15 years ago. And it's the same idea that inspired our new daily podcast, The City View, where you'll find me, City AM editor Christian May, interviewing the most well-known, influential and colourful figures from business, politics and finance. The City View from City AM with a new episode every morning. It's the perfect start to your working day. Hey everyone, this is Stan Wangler from Just Thinking. Stop on by this week and listen to some of the great podcasts we have lined up for you. Two in particular are really good shows. One is called Are We Driving Ourselves Insane? Well, are we? And the next one is called Have You Been Having a Bad Day? Did You Have a Bad Day? Well, if you did, this is the show for you. And I bet you, when you get done listening, you'll feel a lot better. So join us.